Hello and welcome to another episode of Offbeat Grad and Happy New Year. I am recording this on New Year's Day. For you, it is January 3rd. Hooray! I don't I don't know why that's so exciting because I feel like there's so much buildup for the new year and then it happens and we're just like, mm, okay. And then everything is the same. But here we are again at New Year's Day and I thought it would be great today for my solo episode. Surprise, surprise to talk to you guys about some blogging trends that we can expect to see in 2019. And these are really exciting. Some of them might surprise you. Some of them probably won't. Um, A lot of them are technology-based. A lot of them are reactions to technology, which sounds like a really English major answer, but it's the truth. So we will explore these, and you can keep them in mind as you go through the new year. You can ignore them completely if you already have something that works for you. Or you can integrate them with your New Year's resolutions, which I have done myself. And I talked about my New Year's resolutions in my last episode, so check that out because resolutions are not important at all. But it is good to have goals for your blog to make sure you actually know what you're doing and have some idea of where you want to go and you have some key metrics to actually see if you've actually gotten anywhere. Those are important. So yes, let's get into the things that you should be looking for in 2019. I also would love to hear from you if you have any ideas on what you want featured next on the podcast, if someone you know wants to be featured, if you want to be featured, if your grandma wants to be featured, uh, send me an email, hello at offbeatgrad, or to get a faster response, send it to samtetrald at gmail.com. Or by Instagram. I'm always on there. I need to get off, like, you know how iPhone has that thing now called screen time? And it just shows you, like, randomly. It'll send you a message and be like, you spent 17 hours today on Instagram. Like, maybe get a hobby. And every time I get that, (laughs) there's so much shame. So I've turned it off, but then I feel like that's just covering up the problem. And I just pretend that using Instagram... It's part of my job, and it's okay. Like, some people sit at their desk for nine hours a day. I I scroll Instagram, so to each their own. Anyway, (laughs) that was a fun preamble. So I have a lot of trends. Like, I didn't count them, but I did write them down. I even have stats, like actual numbers. So this is basically the most prepared I've ever been. And I did it five minutes ago, so you know it's real. And basically, we're just going to go through the blogging trends, and I'm going to talk about them, and that's that, and make with them what you will. So the first one is authenticity, which I think makes sense because I think you see this the most on Instagram, but basically the trend of like the overstyled photos and the perfect stock photos, same thing. But some are like people will actually purchase stock photos to use in their Instagram feed, and I think that has a time and a place. I don't think it's bad. But I do think the response to things like that and to the the perfectly styled the fashion shoots or like the girls waking up with like their perfect tea in their hand and their hair is messed up in like the perfect way and they have makeup on somehow when they woke up. Like those kind of pictures are sort of stale now. I don't think they get the kind of response they used to get. I know for me, I get more more reactions to my Instagram posts when they're more um, tongue-in-cheek or like poking fun at it. It's not really like when I try to go really over the top with like actually taking good photos, I they perform fine, but they're not amazing. And I think that's sort of people are over it, for lack of a better word. And they were sort of pulling back the curtain. I think Instagram stories has really changed the landscape of Instagram because now you have more opportunity to put up something temporary without the pressure of like, oh, this has to be on my feed forever. And people are more likely to 
share more, like less of a highlight reel in their story and that's sort of seeping into the feed. But it's also true in just blogging in general. I see a lot of force force <laughs> focus on authenticity and I have a stat for this. 86% of consumers say authenticity leads to purchase decisions and that definitely rings true for me. Like I'm not going to purchase from a company that I don't trust. I'm not going to purchase from a company that doesn't seem real, especially on social media. You see this a lot, like especially with, I have to stop saying especially, with um, ads. When you scroll through Instagram, you see all those ads. Sometimes I really get interested in them if the product is useful, but mostly just the way they've portrayed themselves. Like, does it look authentic? Do you see a real person using it? Can you understand the brand? Like someone who seems more in touch compared to clearly a company that seems very robotic. I think that rings true especially in the blog world, especially on Instagram and other social media. And I think that's a really good trend that we can look forward to. So that's a good thing. One good thing. Hooray. But there's a lot of other really positive ones. I just think that one's great. So a way to be more authentic on your blog posts or in your, even your just freelancing, marketing, things like that, is to um, keep it more personality. That's not a sentence. Keep it more personality. Um, be more personable. Be yourself. Um, stop focusing so much on building a brand. Like, it is important to build a brand, but don't let that dictate your life. And just be yourself. I don't know. Um, when I try to be someone I'm not on Instagram or in the blog world, I don't think it works very well. Um, no one really relates to that, even if you think they're going to relate to you more if you're a certain way. Probably not. Like, you'll be surprised. Um, I saw this with, I recently started a Disney vlog, which sounds so lame. I think I talked about this in the last podcast. It still sounds lame. It's going viral now, but it's still lame. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's pretty weird. And um, at first, I started making it um, more corporate looking. That sounds fake. But I, it was more, um, it didn't really have my name on it very much. I didn't, I did include story elements in the blog posts and stuff, but especially on Instagram, it was just, WDW expert. It didn't have my name in it. I did mention it in my profile, but I didn't really put pictures of myself, stuff like that. As soon as I shifted that over to my name featured and more photos of myself, more personality, I saw a lot bigger engagement and it's growing a lot faster. Same with the blog itself. I realized that having a more corporate look might feel professional, but it really isn't by today's standards. And having an actual person behind it <laughs> means a lot. So yeah. That's the case study nobody asked for, so you're welcome. And along with that is another trend towards more personalization. And this doesn't necessarily mean, like, you need to make every single piece of content personalized to, like, your Aunt Karen. But it does mean you need to interact with your audience, your customers, your readers, and get to know them. Like, what do they want? It's just another way to better serve your audience. And I see this a lot in artificial intelligence because now we have robots, not robots, but like computers that will do this for us. You see this on Amazon or any online retailer. You go to shop and then you suddenly see like all these recommendations based on things that you already bought, things you just clicked on. Um, it knows how to personalize the experience to you and hey, it works. Um, it sounds a little <laughs> creepy when put in those terms, but you can do it in a lot less creepy way. Just try to find a new way to talk to your customers. You can do that on social media. You can do it by just looking at Google Analytics, like what posts are attracting the most attention. That's a good idea of what they want to see more of. Just personalize these things for them. Don't try to be everything to everyone because it won't work. 
you don't know this, but I just took a coffee break and <laughs> I made this horrible coffee. I've been having the worst luck with making coffee. I don't know what's wrong with me. I used to be okay at it when I had a Keurig and now I have this fancy coffee maker because I thought I needed it, but I don't need it and I don't know how to use it and it's a problem and I always make coffee. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's either too watery or it's too strong, even if it's the same like bag of beans and I grind the beans fresh and it still sucks. And then today I was like, I'm going to put some agave in it because I'm fancy. No, I put either. I don't even know if it was too much or too little. I can't tell, but it's wrong. And then I put an ice cube in it because I don't like hot coffee. I actually prefer iced coffee, but I had a small cup, so I didn't want to overfill it. So I was like, I'll just put one. And then it's, now it's whack. And then I don't like regular milk because it makes me so violently sick. So I put almond milk, which I like the flavor of in my coffee. It is an acquired taste. It has taken me three years to get to this point. And it ruined it too. So now, I'm, but I'm drinking it because I just ground these beans like fresh and I feel wasteful just throwing it away but I should because it's so bad Ah, and that concludes today's two minute rant on my horrible coffee skills so you're welcome the third blogging trend is also my favorite I think this one is amazing and I've been waiting for it my whole life and it's finally here and we're just we're here for it so that is the trend for micro influencers And I don't know if you've seen all the drama on Instagram and Facebook recently, but I'm living for it. Basically, these people, these influencers, quote unquote, are faking sponsorships. Like, they're legitimately pretending to post sponsored posts, which is so cringy. I just, I I cringe just thinking of it like secondhand embarrassment. And they're doing it so they look more appealing to sponsors and also just to followers, I guess. I don't know. I'm never, like, really excited to see a sponsored post. Like, it's okay, but... I'm never like, ooh, cool, they have a sponsored post. They're so cool. Like, I've never thought that, but maybe they think that's a thought process. I'm not sure. And so basically, they're pretending they're sponsored, and they're posting, like, hashtag ad and, like, all this just to build, like, credibility with brands, I guess. And it's working, apparently. So they'll land actual deals with brands, and then later it'll come out that they were all fake. So then the brand's like, what the heck? This was major false advertising. And basically, it's really scammy, and don't do it. And this has led to a push for micro-influencers, which is great. And a micro-influencer is someone with a small audience, usually under 10,000. It's usually between five and 10,000. It can be less. And they basically have a stronger hold on their niche because they're more of a real person. Like, they don't have 50K followers. They don't have 100,000 followers. Like, those people no longer have a real firm grasp on their audience. And so these micro-influencers, one, they're cheaper, working with them is cheaper. Two, there's more opportunity to, like, really get a hands-on collaboration, and you can do a lot of different things. And then three, they have a better hold on their audience, and, like, they're trusted more. They really just are. Like, who are you going to trust? The girl with with 3,000 followers who um, always takes time to post really, really consciously, or... The blogger with 200,000 who has a lot of sponsorships and doesn't seem to always stick to the same thing, or even if she does, you're just not really going to trust her as well because she has 200,000 followers and you can't relate to that, unless you can, in which case don't listen to this podcast because it's beyond helping you. So this big push towards micro-influencers is excellent news for all of us smaller bloggers who maybe haven't worked with brands before and we wanted to get into it and you don't really have much to show for it. Well, please, to God, do not start by making fake sponsorships. It does not work well. 
if you want to work with brands and you haven't before, I would just suggest you to start doing some posts on Instagram or Facebook where you show, not Facebook, don't do it on Facebook, on your blog where you showcase your favorite products in a non-spammy way. So like maybe you already talk about one of your favorite products in this one blog post or you do um, some kind of informational posts and you feature a product pretty heavily that you already use and you really recommend it like those are great examples to show brands of how you can naturally and organically speak about a company without being a complete sellout spammy cringy person woohoo so that's micro influencers i'm really hyped about that i think that's really good news for the blogging community and next number four we're going to talk about diversified content which is something that is hard for me to understand because i love writing and to hear that writing isn't as popular anymore sort of stings. But I think it's okay because I really like these other things too. Basically, the internet watches videos now more than they read. Like, almost 80% of web traffic today is for videos. And that's not just like streaming on YouTube. It also means Instagram stories. It means um, blog content that integrates video, social media video. Like, I'm sure you've seen it on Instagram and um, even Twitter and Facebook, all of those have a lot of video. Even Pinterest has videos now. Like, I'm shook by that. So, this is it. <laughs> we're, we're entering a new era of video, and you either jump on that or you don't. I think there's a lot to be gained from doing some videos. So, basically, the key things about videos today are they perform really well on social media. Um, if you're going to do it on Instagram or... Um, Facebook, you should include subtitles because people scroll fast, they don't turn on their audio, and also the best time is found to be two minutes, so don't be long and rambly. This is a great chance to offer maybe a sneak peek into a blog post and then you get their attention and they want to learn more, so they click on and read the full post. I think that's a great idea. Also, if you're selling products, um, videos are a great way to showcase them. Beyond video, also podcasts are really popular. You're listening to one now. I'm glad I jumped on this bandwagon, but also I love podcasts. Um, I hope you do too. They're a great way if you're thinking of maybe you wanted to do something um, to promote your blog or your YouTube channel or whatever. I think it's a small contribution. You don't really have to commit to like a big chunk of time each week, although it is a, it is a chunk of time. But you could post maybe once a month. You could post mini mini podcasts, maybe five minutes here and there. I think those are really helpful. Basically, just find new ways to distribute your own content. Something I've tried is creating um, videos for my most popular blog posts. Um, I've gone back and added them. I've also just created posts around videos. I think they complement each other really well. And also, you're able to put these videos on YouTube, which is the second biggest search engine behind Google. So start thinking of YouTube as a search engine because it is. People are in there typing things. That's how they get content. So if you want to create more content be on YouTube. Also, there's monetization options there, so no cons here. And you don't need to have a ton of video skills to get started. Same with podcasting, although there is a bit more equipment required, probably, and also you have to pay some storage fees, stuff like that. But with videos, at least, you could do this on your phone. If you have an iPhone, it has pretty good camera. Most Androids do, too. Just film it on your phone, um, make some edits. You don't even have to put it on a computer now. You can just edit it all on your phone. Even small things like that, invest in a tripod, use natural lighting, basically if you, everything you would think of for like a normal Instagram photo. Same deal goes for videos and you'll have a lot of success. Honestly, it's pretty uncharted territory for a lot of different niches right now and it's a great idea if you want to really shake up your content strategy. So, Number five is a really big one. This is chatbots. 
I don't know why I said that so weird. Chat bots, like chat and bot, like robot. Um, a chat bot is an artificial intelligence way of communicating with your audience. It's customer support, basically, but on autopilot, and it's pretty smart. Does the job well. You see this a lot right now on Facebook. They have their own chatbot. I think it's just called Chatbot. Um, you can set this up if you have a business page, and I think you should. And I'm going to do it. Like I'm actually gonna do it because I think it's a great way to interact with your audience in a new way. Um, basically, a chatbot works by answering basic questions. It can do a lot of different functions, like um, send you a, an email. So if you had like a lead magnet and you wanted someone to get it through Facebook or something, they could just um, click a button on the Facebook page and then up pops a little box and it says, hi, do you want to receive this? If so, send your email. And then as soon as they send their email, the chatbot the, the chat will send the email to the recipient and it can also answer a lot of different questions. If you go on um, Facebook, and I recommend you do, you can play around with this on a whole bunch of different company pages. Like, it's really popular for a lot of big-name businesses. Um, the biggest example I have is um, Sephora or Expedia. If you go on their Facebook play bleh, pages, <laughs> you can play around with their chatbots. Basically, there are a lot of functions you can do. They can answer questions, they can place orders in some cases, they can um, send emails, as I said, or send reminders, things like that. I think it's a great resource, especially if you run a Facebook group or if you have a really active Facebook page. Um, they're not only on Facebook, I just really like the one on Facebook, but there's other ones as well, and they're really easy to set up, and it's something you're going to see a lot of in the next year or so, so I think it's good if you're thinking of finding new ways to like directly interact with a customer or you're trying to really be active on Facebook, definitely give chatbots a try. It's so easy to use. You're sort of just missing out if you're not trying. Also, fun fact, I just took another coffee break and I got a different cup of coffee and it's still bad, but this time it tastes more like just iced almond milk and you know what? I'm okay with that, so... And welcome to my new podcast, Sam's Coffee Corner, where she complains about her coffee abilities for 20 minutes. Sounds like a solid plan. Now that we've talked about authenticity, personalization, micro-influencers, diverse content, and chatbots, let's talk about niching down. So niching is also changing, and I've been editing this for a while because most niches are pretty saturated. I'm sure you know this. Um, it's not very easy to start a blog and just automatically get noticed because you're one of the few people in that niche. So now you sort of have to change the way you're doing it. And one of the trends is basically changing just that. So you have two options nowadays. You can either go super in-depth, like you really choose a niche and you commit to that niche. You go in-debt, in-debt, don't go in-debt, um, <laughs> more in-depth. You just um, really go for it in a unique way. So that might mean if you're just blogging about blogging, you create more in-depth posts than your competition. That's one way to stand out today. And I think that's a valid choice. Um, another option, the only other option, is to choose a smaller niche. I've said niching down is important, and it's so important. You need to niche down, and sometimes that means <laughs> really niching down. You can always go wide, but it's better to start narrow and then go wide. So basically cast a tighter net at the beginning. You'll get um, a stronger hold and then you can always change as needed. So that might mean if you would have originally chosen fashion, now you're going to choose um, budget vegan fashion. I don't know what that means, but sounds like it's a small niche. So you need to find an underserved niche, 
find a smaller niche or you need to um, just go more in depth. Either one is a good option. It's up to you to decide. So that's a, a unique take on the niche situation in 2019. All right, two more. We're almost there. Everyone can do this. Um, the next one is SEO. So this is actually a trend that is thanks to some technology that you might have in your house. So it, thanks to voice technology like Google or the Amazon Alexa, um, people are changing the way they search for things. A lot of people are actually just searching by voice, which I think is really popular, more popular rapidly by the minute. Um, while it doesn't completely eliminate text as of right now, there's no guarantee that it won't in the future. So this is changing SEO in a lot of ways. Like keywords used to be short phrases. Um, that's called a short tail keyword. Now we're seeing a push towards long tail keywords, which is actually a good thing. It means there's more ability to rank because <laughs> you can be more specific. But people are speaking out sentences. So instead of searching for best coffee recipes. Someone might be searching for what are the best coffee recipes for vegan lattes, something like that. Um, more specific, easier to rank. Also, we're seeing these long, complete sentences and questions. It's no longer just phrases. No one's just being like coffee recipes. I mean, people are certainly still doing that, but it's going to be very hard to rank. Um, but now more people are searching for what are the best vegan coffee recipes, that kind of thing. That's a complete sentence. It's more specific. So what does that mean for you? It means when you're thinking of your SEO, you need to stop thinking in short phrases and you need to think of full questions, full sentences, or long specific phrases. I don't think you should do 100% either, just like I never would say just go all short content. You should switch it up. So I think you need a good balance and you also need some similar phrases. Don't try to sound like a robot. Don't get too nitpicky trying to make sure every keyword is shoved in there. You can listen to my SEO episode if you want to hear more. But basically, just keep that in mind. Like, people are searching either for full phrases, um, questions, what they're asking their Alexa, things like that, that we didn't really have in the past. Start thinking about them. Food for thought. Last but not least, this one shakes me to my core. Shorter content is in now. Like, oh my gosh, I have preached so much about long-form content and why you need to write longer posts. And now here I am. Here I am sticking my foot in my mouth. Um, shorter content has a place now. While it's still true that long-form content ranks better for SEO purposes, 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 um, shorter content, specifically content that's under 800 words, is um, performing really well on social media. And obviously, that is no surprise. Because social media has younger audiences who like shorter content, they like visual content, and they're not going to sit there and read your 3,000 word epic post, most likely. And that's just the sad truth, and we need to adapt to that. So, doesn't mean you shouldn't still write your in-depth post, because Lord knows I will. But I think it's good to have a balance. I think this is a great chance to include video content um, in addition to the 800 words, or maybe a little less than 800 words. And you sort of get both. You don't have to sacrifice anything. I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out as it as it progresses. But it's something to keep in mind. So don't feel like you need to write like 2,000 words every time when the evidence is showing you don't. And I think that's a lot of flexibility, especially because there's been a push towards producing more content. Like everyone's producing content. So a lot of people feel like they need to rapidly shoot out more stuff. Um, it's easier to do that when it's only 800 words or less. So good news, bad news. It's, it's just news. 
So those are the blogging trends you need to be aware of for 2019. Um, Some of them are really exciting. Some of them are a bit of a mindset shift, and that's just what it is. As you know, the internet is always changing, so we can't get too comfortable, and I think that's a good thing. So there's some things to think about when you're creating your plan for 2019, and hopefully we're all going to be making a ton of videos, and we're all going to have all these sponsored content, and we're all going to be super niche. So yeah, here's the 2019. So I will have a blog post that goes along with this, with basically all of this information and a little bit more. And I'll actually publish this because I'm trying to keep up with my New Year's resolution, at least for this week. And yes, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope this was valuable to you. I'm really excited about these trends. I hope you are too. And we'll just see where they take us. So yeah, I will see you next week. Email me at hello at offbeatgrad.com if you or someone you know wants to be featured. Check out the blog, offbeatgrad.com. Find me on Instagram, Samantha Ability, whatever, you know. You know the drill. Um, See you next week. Bye.